Okay, so I admit it. I am not a great evangelizer, mostly because I remember what it's like to be evangelized too. Christians from intact homes whose parents paid for everything in college, who never really seem to have very many road bumps in life. The truth of the gospel that they purported to me didn't resonate with me then from those people who knew not the pain of financial struggle or the, the secular world. This is Christian Curious, and I'm your host, Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Each week, we tackle some of the hardest, most pressing questions facing Christians in the 21st century. Today, I'm continuing my conversation with Asia Nicholson, a leader in the Washington, D.C. area. And just a note for listeners, COVID has stolen my voice still, so I am still not sounding like myself. So I probably like my voice even less than I usually do. Anyway, Asia, welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you. You know, you're a um, extremely incredible leader in the Washington DC area um, of young Christian young adults. And for those who might not have caught the last episode when you discussed your testimony, could you share a little bit about your journey to Christ? Yeah, um, so I wasn't raised explicitly Christian. My mom definitely was Christian. My dad uh, dabbled in actually being Muslim for a little bit when I was a teenager. And so I think that they just kind of handed me over to God and let him introduce himself to me as he would which really helped my faith walk because I had a really gentle experience with God's revelation of himself to me. And I carry that gentleness in how I approach people who do have questions about God. And my own questions encourage me to tell people to ask their own questions and to just remind them that God is whoever you need him to be to you. And, um, that is how I experience God. And so I'm always excited to just tell people that God is not offended by any questions you have about the faith, about Christians, about what we're to believe, um, simply because that is just not who God is. <laughs> right. So, yeah. You know, it sounds like you're very comfortable in your faith. Um, I think that the problem for some people who want to evangelize or some people who want to, you know, enter into, you know, discussions about, you know, certain cultural issues, including abortion, um, refrain from doing so because they're afraid to engage because they're not mm -hmm. secure in their own positions. And I think mm -hmm. that that would be one of the very first things that you need to know in order to yeah. evangelize is mm -hmm. being, you know, firm in your faith and being mm -hmm. certain about what you believe. Um, what is your ministry like today with young adults? What do you do? Um, so I am the director of a ministry called The Bridge at the First Baptist Church of Glenarden. And we this year we've really focused on just cultivating community and sustainable community in such a way that people feel comfortable being vulnerable with one another. Um, right now, there is definitely a pseudo element of vulnerability that we have just it, with Internet culture, people either oversharing or picking and choosing what they're sharing to the point where it affects negatively the life of another person. And so 
creating a literal in-person community of people, Christian or not, that are comfortable sharing some of their apprehensions, some of their questions and fears and anxieties surrounding the Christian faith has been something that we've been focusing on. And thankfully, God has kind of put me in a position where because of my experience with being comfortable and being encouraged to ask him questions, I can encourage my leaders to also do the same and posture themselves to be receptive to people who do have questions so that the community isn't based in a human truth, but God's truth, which is that he's sovereign, whether we believe it or not right now, that he's holy, whether we believe it or not right now. And that that doesn't mean that God is a dictator. It just means that being that we were created to serve him, ultimately we will come to know truth as God reveals himself to us, you know, each day. And so honestly, just making sure that we understand that very fundamental truth and leading from there and walking with one another through that. When you talk about sustainable community, can you explain what you mean? Um, One of the biggest challenges that faced churches in our study was um, building a sustainable community because of the transients of the transient nature of young adults and even young adult leaders made it hard to create a uh, a group that was you know sus- you know sustainable i mean how can you what what are some steps to what to creating a sustainable first well what is a sta- sustainable community how do you define that and how do you build it mm-hmm. Um, I think sustainable is something that would exist whether there was a leader or not. So I try to make sure that my leaders have the same access to the knowledge, the, the platforms and such that I have as the director. Because if I were to not be there, they shouldn't only feel comfortable around me because I'm the director, right? Like, I, I, I acknowledge the the different relationships I have with people, but sustainable being that if there was no leader, they should still feel comfortable enough and feel God's presence in the building and wherever they are. And also sustainable in that they could go out and feel encouraged to create a duplicate of that community of their, and wherever they are, you know, some of them are only here for the summer because they live off campus, they live on campus and they're college out of state, or they might not have a car or they might not have reliable transportation or you know there are so many different factors of access that people we don't know that people have and so allowing for it to be accessible online for example um and literally having god's presence be accessible wherever they are is something that's important like our last event was online and we just went over a devotional that we did as a group and we just talked about it on zoom you know, and that was helpful for people who there was someone from Chile there who said that they followed me on Instagram. That was cool. That I was like, what the heck? Cool. Really so like cool. that, you know, literally creating a community of people, no matter where you are, that you feel like you can access God's presence in the midst of young adults who also have the same feelings that you do is something that's super important. So that's how I define, um, you know, sustainable community. I think there was a second question. Yeah. What is, um, well, let's go ahead, and I, I want to know what you hear young adults talking about. What do you hear about their frustrations and the things that they're struggling with right now? Um, I, 
I usually always take the defense of non-believers simply because Christians kind of sometimes know the answer. We just want to argue for no reason. So <laughs> I sometimes view Christians as like the sometimes bratty little sibling. But I am going to edify them after I talk about non-believers. Um, I think I hear non-believer or young adults who are not Christians talk about the the Christians kind of being super apprehensive about speaking out for just blatant injustice, right? Um, I'll bring up, like, the latest... I I remember on on Instagram, I kind of... I lost, like, maybe 30 followers after I posted an essay after the Roe vs. Wade thing came out. Because I was saying, like, I didn't think that that was gonna help. Like, I don't don't think that they should have did that. I lost so many followers after that. Because I think Christians think you have to have a sure opinion on something. And I think that sometimes we confuse illegal with righteous and illegal with holy. Like, being black was illegal. You think that's holy? You know what I mean? Like, that, you, you can't always, the two are not mutually exclusive. So making something illegal and then putting it in the name of God is ridiculous to me. And also, I have to remind so many people that one of the things that is stated in the Old and New Testament is not to swear by heaven. And the first thing we do in the court of the United States is swear on the Bible. And it's like, we are not a Christian nation, so we don't have the basics of Christianity. And so that is is what I see frustrates a lot of non-believers with Christians, because it's like, we don't even have the basics down. We don't treat people as human. There are people living in poverty. There, I don't even understand the concept of a billionaire. There's no reason we should be going to space. Those cool galaxy photos, I guess, are fun. I'm sure I've seen them on Tumblr somewhere. But why were we spending $10 billion on that? You know, like literal resources being wasted on things that have no eternal value and have no um, help for human beings, you know? So, so that's what I see on the on, what, on what you're side. saying is that instead of, you know, looking so far outwards, I mean, you you want churches to step in the gap and start to yeah. actually address the social issues that we see happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, like and help people's there, hearts. There's nothing. Yeah. Like we don't value human life at all. Which is why I think a lot of people were so, literally in pain and grieving over the the Roe versus Wade situation because that that was not a a, a discernment on human life and and I, and I can understand why people thought that that was a good thing but to completely miss the grief that people were feeling I think was an error on a, the part of a lot of Christians because we were so focused on winning which is so strange that it's like you're missing why people are grieving and instead of asking or instead of inviting community inviting a community of non-believers into your life where you can understand why people would feel grieved we instead felt um like we've we've won some type of battle or war and it's like it uh, that's that's what what i see grieves a lot of non-believers because christians to a lot of them seem very um just war-minded and and always feeling like it's a fight between right and wrong and it's like God is so much bigger than than our moralistic approach to human life. And if we just approach human life with the grace that God does, I think that we would 
all realize how alike we are and how it's so much different if you were in the situation yourself. And I don't think that that's what we showed recently. Well, mm-hmm. you, know, it, you know, it's a pretty strong statement to say that Christians don't care for, you know, other humans. Yeah. And I think you, you know, you've kind of filled that out pretty well about what you mean by that. Yeah. You mean rather yeah, than yeah. standing for certain principles, actually listening for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there and there and there are because in the now, like I said, in the previous episode, I just was talking about how I love my church, First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, because of how much we do in the local community. So there are, and I think that non-believers know that. Like, I personally don't feel the need to, to like, qualify the good that Christians do, because if we do it, they'll know. You will know a tree by its fruit. Like, I don't need to qualify the fact that I love people if I'm actually loving people. Right. And so I think that when we get defensive even about well, there are good Christians in the world. It's like, okay, we'll do, okay. Like, we'll just be a good Christian. Like, be like Jesus. Be the fruit of the Spirit. And and now that's not to say that offense doesn't sometimes irritate Christians or even irritate me. Because there are some outlandish things that people will say about Christianity. And it's like, all right, well, I understand why you're saying that. But also, a part of being a believer is literally having things being said about Christians that are blatantly untrue and so to me it feels like what are we willing to go deeper and engage the person or are we just going to stay on the level of offense and dismiss them and completely miss an opportunity to connect with them and hear them out because usually people who as we know shout the loudest have never been given a chance to speak and so I'm more willing to engage with someone who is blatantly wrong but is still willing to engage with me genuinely, then dismiss them because, you know, I got my feelings hurt. Are you ready to earn a master's degree, but concerned about fitting more into your already busy schedule? Visit denverseminary.edu to learn more about our fully online programs, financial aid opportunities, and more. The education you receive at Denver Seminary will challenge you to grow spiritually, intellectually, relationally, and professionally. Learn more today at denverseminary.edu. Just see the people behind the positions and you yeah. know, try, try to walk alongside people in their shoes and understand what it means i mean you you still may arrive on the same point you still you know if we want to use the example of roe versus wade i'm pretty Mm -hmm. firm in the pro-life camp um Mm -hmm. until i you know and i wasn't until i actually you know volunteered at a crisis pregnancy center Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't mean that i don't understand why women find themselves Mm -hmm. there in that place Mm -hmm. and that Yes, I'm still pro-life, but I get how people are hurt by the decision. I get that. And to be able to start with a dialogue there, to be able to understand, okay, so, you know, maybe I was not, you know, responsible, you know, whenever I decided to go hook up or whatever and I got pregnant. Um 
but now I have to live with the fact that there is, you know, something in my body. And that's very, you know, pregnancy, some, some women, you know, some women have, and I may be going so far off the rails here, but Mm -hmm. some women have great pregnancies and some people have very bad pregnancies and you have to live with the fact that there's another life that you're bringing another life into the world um, through your body and it's very private and it's very personal and it's very hard you know even when a baby is wanted pregnancy is very hard and so if you you know take a step back even if you are pro-life and say I understand where you're coming from and until you are able to do that you can't get people over to your side yeah yeah I just think yeah and to your to to your point anything forced is feels violent you know and i think that ultimately the lack of we just talked about how god is such a gentleman and god doesn't force us to do anything and then we go and be like thank god people are now forced to do this and it's like hold on now this didn't sound like what i just heard you say two weeks ago you know and so there's the I think even even the terms, you know, we have such um, absolute terms for things like pro-life or like when the antithesis to like Black Lives Matter would be All Lives Matter. It's like all of those actually don't make sense when you put them in context to what the original was trying to say in the first place. So it's like, duh, they do. That's why we're saying Black Lives Matter or of course, everyone is pro-life. That's why we're worried about why are you going to space when, like, there are forest fires happening. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like we, we lose the vision when we take the terms and make an antithesis in an attempt to show what God is, what who God truly is. But it's we can't take God out, out of his holy context without consulting him. And um, I just hear a lot of grief on both sides, you know, to your point of what I hear young adults saying. It's just it sounds... We're trying to hear the heart of God, but because we're flawed and because sin is in the world and because we're all fallen, we try to speak in language that is so far from who God is. And and because we speak quickly and out of anger, we don't consult, you know, the spirit. And so sometimes the words, they fall flat, they fall on deaf ears, they hurt and they cut and it leads to further division, which is hard. But I think that's what the community, that's what those small hubs of sustainable community can help do because they foster a lengthier conversation that allows for people to actually hear one another. You see the body language. You see when someone's getting uncomfortable, like, oh, maybe I'm going to stop here because I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And ultimately, your life is way more important to me than me being right or wrong. Like, I don't care if I'm right or wrong. The fact that you are here breathing and alive is way more important to me than making you feel like you just got owned in this conversation. I totally agree. I think that that is incredibly one of the most important things that we need to consider whenever we enter into into dialogue with people of differing opinions. It's that these are human beings created in the image of God, just like me. They're loved by God, just like me. And you know to respect that before we enter into a question um one of the things that you know i've heard you talk about 
um, that we've talked about before is how uncomfortable Christians who have always been Christians, how uncomfortable they are in get in making non-Christian friends or actually evangelizing. And so, you know, in our last few final minutes, if you were to give a tutorial for Christians who grew up in, you know, a Christian environment or who have been in a Christian environment for a very long time, what are some of the things that they need to do to actually engage people that are not believers? I think having a Christian friend who can engage non-believers well can help them as like a buffer. Um, I think that sometimes it can be scary and I don't want to invalidate anyone's, you know, maybe concerns about befriending non-believers because they might have been taught that they will literally be condemned to hell if they were to befriend a non-believer. And so I want to be sensitive to that and some of the spiritual abuse that people might have gone through that would have led them to that. Um, But I think that having a friend who's willing to be a buffer would be beneficial to both the non-believer and the believer because there would be something of a gentle intercessor that could help them navigate that new world and yeah and 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 going to those those church events with young adults and you know putting yourself out there and being uncomfortable i think we're all going to be uncomfortable you know to a certain extent but i say i would say seek out someone who you know believes in the word of god stands firm on their convictions um walks in the fruit of the spirit as you know as much as humanly possible um and is willing to walk with you in forming relationships with people who don't look like you who don't believe as you do um who don't have the same convictions as you um and allow for god to be in the midst of that through the intercession of how your friend is willing to walk alongside you both yeah that's amazing so what would you i guess would your second piece of advice be to actually cognizantly and passionately pursue the fruits of the spirit yeah i mean i would say read your bible for sure because i think people try to walk like jesus without knowing what he said and that can cause a lot of harm to people and ourselves and you know start at the gospel start at I like to tell people to try at Luke. It's just easy to understand. <laughs> start at yeah, Luke or John. I, I love and, Luke. And um, yeah, because Genesis, people start at Genesis and then I'm like, what the heck? And I get it. I said the same thing. So start at Luke or John and un- just read about what Jesus did and then take take your time. Literally just ask God, be like, hey, God, what does this say? And that just say those words literally and allow for, you know, the Holy Spirit to, to, to show us how to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Because the Spirit isn't, you can't separate the Spirit from the person from which it came. Yeah. And, you know, when we learn about who Jesus was and how in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God, Word was with God. And we learn all those fancy terms, but we don't know what that looks like in person. I think that God will lead us to people who are walking that out actively. And so literally allow for God's word to show you revelations of himself in real life has been something that really helps me. And I think that that's something that I would encourage uh, people to do. Why do you think uh, people are hesitant to engage people outside the faith? 
Um, I think on one part of spiritual abuse, people have um, been told literally that if they commune with non-believers, they will be condemned to hell. I'm in one of my ch- really? uh, classes right now. Yeah, one of my classes in seminary right now is on church history. And you'd be surprised how many people in the Roman Catholic Church or the English Church or what have you back in like um, the 15th and 16th century were told that they were heretics because they were Protestant and were killed, quite literally, because they didn't believe in the authority of the papacy or because they didn't believe that the popes had any um, legitimacy. So people were literally killed. And I think that that, the fruit of that has been shown in how we treat other people. Um, You hear about people being disowned from their family for dating outside of their race or even being gay like you hear you just hear nonsense of people literally disowning members of their family because of how they live and um so yeah i think that they've been taught that and i think that that is a form of spiritual abuse and just manipulation and such which is why you have this whole deconstruction movement which is which is you know and i want to honor the the fact that they're even brave enough to come and speak out about some of the stuff that they've endured but um I do think that's why people are kind of afraid to engage because of how they've been taught and they've seen God as kind of like a dictator um, versus someone who literally became incarnate in our world to save us from ourselves and to reconcile us back to him. And I think that when you're introduced to the gospel through what Jesus has already done, then it would be easier to commune with people because it's like, oh, cool. Like, I can tell them what Jesus did and I could just live it out. And then they'd be willing to ask, oh, like, what God do you serve? You know, like, oh, your light is so bright. Why? Why? Why is that? You tell about Jesus, you know? That's exactly what happened with me. Asia, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I loved it. (laughs) I did, too. I think you're a wonderful human and I'm so glad to know you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. Visit our website at www.christiancurious.com to find more shows and find out more about us. That's www.christiancurious.com. Stay curious.